Hi there. Welcome to the second episode of Shakespeare Explained, the podcast that takes a deep dive behind the meaning of Shakespeare's plays. For this episode, we'll be exploring Macbeth, as well as the hidden messages behind it, which, as if you've probably guessed, are about human ambition. As well as this, we'll explore how this leads on to real life and finally ponder about what Shakespeare could have possibly implied while writing this play. Let's begin by asking ourselves a question. Say, for example, you were to become king. You're destined to become the king of Scotland and are next in line for the throne. However, a shortcut exists, promising instant kingship, albeit with a catch. You must murder the current holder of the throne. Would you do it or would you wait? At this point, most people with a moral bone would choose to play the long game and wait their turn. For Macbeth, however, to murder or not to murder was an issue actually worth deliberating. Fueled by ambition and a desire for instant gratification, his mind tried to veer around the moral dilemmas and focus instead on the rewarding, comfortable and laid-back lifestyle he'll soon be experiencing. Of course, life doesn't work like that, and as he soon realised, his actions have fatal consequences that impact his life forever. This is a perfect example of what we call the human dilemma. First coined in 1967 by psychologist Rollo May, it describes the struggle between ambition and morality. You can see how Macbeth tries to deliberate on the ethicality of his plan in Act 1, Scene 3, as demonstrated in his little monologue. Why hath it given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am Thane of Cordor. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion? Whose horrid image doth unflix my hair, and make my seated heart knock at my ribs? Against the use of nature, present fears are less than horrible imaginings. Macbeth, in this quote, tries to reassure himself, almost reasoning that because one of the prophecies, as foretold by the three witches, has come true, the other would also become true. He also tried to mentally acknowledge the fact that in order to gain kingship, he would have to murder the current king. Struggling to comprehend the colossal task ahead of him, he began to doubt his ability to execute the king. It seems as though Macbeth wasn't quite prepared for the amount of work that was needed for him to continue on his ambitious journey forward. You see, ambition is this wondrous thing, but it's kind of like alcohol. You can only consume as much as you can handle. We'll be right back. There should be a sponsor here, but there's no sponsor. Why? Because no one wanted to sponsor this podcast, so... Mm, moving on. Welcome back. Remember how in the last segment we compared ambition to alcohol? No? Okay, here it is again. You see, ambition is this wondrous thing, but it's kind of like alcohol. You can only consume as much as you can handle. Got it? Okay, good. Anyway, ambition is usually quite a wonderful thing. I mean, look at where it got us. We created monarchies, conquered countries, and created civilizations. Heck, we even made it to the moon. However, there's also a much darker side to ambition, just like any good thing in life. It's that because it's such a powerful desire, it has the potential to completely consume the mind, erasing the potential to make rational decisions. When this happens, we can literally say that they're drunk with ambition. Anyway, back to the start. While we're all inclined to believe that ambition is the kind of thing that you can have too much of, it's really not. The truth is, ambition is really an unlimited thing, and you can consume as much as you like as long as you're able to handle whatever consequences your ambition has in store for you. And Macbeth, who's a rather ambitious person, fits just right into the example we're just about to give. Eh. And Macbeth, who's a rather ambitious person, fits right into the example that we're just about to give. In this case, he's not capable of consuming the amount of ambition he's created, even hinting at his lack of confidence during this monologue, 
in Act One, Scene Seven. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with his success, that bl- this blow might be the be all and end the end all here. But here, upon this bank at shoal of time, would jump the life to come. Here, Macbeth openly admits that he's not prepared to face the consequences, stating that he would gladly execute King Duncan only if the murder cancelled out all the consequences. However, that's not how life works. As a result of this, he stalls and hesitates multiple times to avoid facing the dreaded point at which he'll need to perform the killing, even going so far to saying that because the king has honoured me, we can't do that. This just shows that, while Macbeth quite liked the idea of ambition and all its wonderful perks, he's starting to come to his senses and prevent himself from committing what he sees as crimes. However, this is where the darker side of ambition comes into play. You see, later in the play, we find out that King Duncan has been killed. What made Macbeth turn back on himself and his morals? To prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition which overleaps itself and falls on the other. Well, I guess he was right. Ambition does make people rush towards disaster, especially people like Macbeth. Maybe next time, failed king. But you know what else will be coming next time? Our next episode. Coming out in about a year from this time this one has been published. Anyway, until then, bye!